Well, a very good morning to all of you this morning. For those of you who I may have not had a chance to meet personally, my name is Sue Ann Camfield, and I am the women's director here at Christchurch. And despite the gloomy weather this morning, it is just a joy to be with you in worship this morning. So a couple of weeks ago, my children and I went on a mission trip with our high school student ministry to Tijuana, Mexico. And we were tasked with building several houses for families in need. Now, when I first signed up for the trip, even though I had never done anything like this before, I knew that over the years, dozens of students and lay leaders had done this who were just as unexperienced as I. And I thought, well, surely if they could do it, right, I could do it too. And so a couple of weeks before we were heading on the trip, we had a staff team gathering at the home of one of our leaders. And Aaron Foster, our high school ministry director, sat down to walk through the building manual with us step by step. And as I sat there listening to what he was saying, I quickly realized that he was saying words and phrases and descriptions that I literally had never heard before. And about 45 minutes into the meeting, the thought finally dawned on me that I had actually, outside of a few pieces of Ikea furniture, never built anything in my entire life. And so I went home and I brought the manual home to my husband, Eric, and he's the son of a remodeler. And I said, Eric, could you just kind of sit and look at this manual? And then when you get done, just walk through it with me and explain to me the things I don't understand. And he spent about 30 seconds with the manual and knowing that I, at my core, am a relational and creative soul, he kind of tossed the manual aside and he said, yeah, there's no way you can do this. Encouragement of that spouse, that's right. And so um, here's a picture actually when we showed up at the first day on our work site at Tijuana, and it is just this empty plot of land before you. And I was with a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds and a few other adult leaders, and for about 30 minutes we just kind of walked around and kicked at the rocks, and I don't know, I pulled out a tape measure and measured some things. I said, I don't know, does this look level to you? And I don't know. And I thought, you know what? We are supposed to make something beautiful and useful and purposeful out of this empty ground before us. And honestly, I felt like in that moment that it sounded like the most impossible thing I had ever heard of in my entire life. I wonder as we sit there here this morning if you have ever had an experience like that. If you've ever found yourself at a place in your life where you were staring at this empty thing before you, maybe physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, and you thought, you know what, this is ground I will never overcome. There is nothing good or beautiful that will ever come from this empty space. Well, my hope for us this morning as we continue our series called At the Movies is that as we journey alongside a true story, it's actually a narrative of a professional rock climbing documentary of all things, my hope would be 
that we will be reminded of the glorious truth that we serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. Now, some of you may be asking, especially if you are just joining us this morning or maybe visiting here today, movies and church? Really, what, what is all of this about? What, what could we possibly have to learn about the scriptures from a rock climbing documentary? And to be honest, it's a very fair question. But my hope and my prayer, and literally my prayer, is that if I do my job this morning, and hopefully by the grace of God I do, and if I don't, when I'm standing out, please just smile politely and keep walking by and tell me I did a good job even if I didn't. But my hope is that we will see God in some new and fresh ways. And maybe when our friends or our neighbors ask us about that church we go to up the street, we will be able to share some things about God from a new perspective. And so that is my hope and my prayer as we journey together this morning. Before I start talking about the actual movie, I do just want to make a quick disclaimer and let you know that the Don Wall is a documentary. And because it's a documentary, it is uncensored. And so there are some heavy events that take place. There is some colorful language throughout the film. And so if that's something you are sensitive to or prefer not to watch, or maybe you have young children in the home and you need to think through that, I would be happy to just talk to you a little bit more about what that looks like, or you can choose not to view that um, as we go about today. Now, the Don Wall takes place in Yosemite Valley, California which is known around the world as a mecca for some of the most difficult rock climbing on the entire earth. And within the national park is its crown jewel. It is a 3,000 foot rock formation, a granite monolith, if you will, that's simply called El Capitan, or for short, El Cap. Now, I don't know if any of you have been there or maybe seen it, I have not, but just to kind of get our minds wrapped around what 3,000 vertical feet looks like, if you looked up to the top of the steeple or imagine it in your heads if you can't see it, and then you took the Willis Tower and you stacked that on top of the steeple, and then take the Willis Tower again and stack it on top of that and look straight up. And that is the height that we are talking about that covers El Capitan. And until 1958, it was considered pretty much to be impossible to climb until a man by the name of Warren Harding and two of his buddies decided they were going to give it a go. And they actually successfully summited the top of the mountain and they did the first route ever known called the Nose. And over the decades, many elite climbers have followed suit, and they have mapped out six other routes to the top of El Capitan, making seven routes in total. But through all of those years and through all of those attempts, there has been one route that everyone has agreed it's not even worth trying. It's just too hard. And not only is it considered to be the most difficult climb in the entire world, but due to the lack of places to hold on to and grip, like I said, it's just considered impossible. That was until 2010 when professional rock climber Tommy Caldwell decided that he was ready to make the impossible possible. 
Tommy began climbing at the age of 14. He made his first big impression on the rock climbing world when he and his dad went to a world rock climbing competition just as spectators. And there was an amateur competition and he thought, well, why not? I'll go ahead and try that. And he won the amateur competition. And the people watching were so impressed with him that they actually invited him to be in the real competition the next day. And at the end of the day, the 16-year-old Tommy Caldwell was the only climber to complete the climb. He was the best of the best, and that moment changed his entire life. Now, Tommy has an intriguing story, which is part of what makes the film so good, is the backstory leading up to the climb. Because as an infant, he was developmentally delayed. He didn't crawl until he was two years old, and the doctors, because of his cognitive delays, told him that he probably would, or told his parents, that he would never go to school or get an education. On a climbing expedition as a teenager, he was with five other climbers. They were in the mountains of uh, Kyrgyzstan, and they were captured and taken hostage by a militant group. And Tommy had to make the very difficult decision to choose to save their lives instead of their captors, and he pushed the captor over the edge, and he had to live with the pain and the trauma of that decision his entire life. About a year later, while remodeling his home, he did what they always tell you not to do when you're doing a remodeling project with a table saw, and he went to grab a piece of wood out of the saw, and he cut off his index finger. And he was told by everyone in his life, besides his parents and his wife, that he would never climb again. He would never do the thing that God created him to do. There was, it was impossible. There was no way. And just when you think maybe it can't get much worse, later on, Tommy suffered a very devastating and painful divorce. And it was that devastation and that grief that actually propelled him to want to conquer the Don Wall. If any of us have wanted to avoid the pain in our lives by distracting us with something else, that is what we're seeing in the life of Tommy Codwell. Now, it's safe to say that Tommy faced some very difficult circumstances throughout his life. Maybe even some of us will look at those and say, That's, those are impossible things to overcome. But when it came to El Capitan, a mountain on which to comply to complete any of the routes to the top were considered a monumental achievement for the most elite rock climbers in the whole world. Tommy climbed all seven of the routes multiple times, sometimes climbing two in one day and doing many of them without the use of his finger. And yet when it came to the Dawn Wall, Tommy said that climbing it would be infinitely harder than anything he had ever contemplated. He said it's like grabbing razor blades with your fingertips. And he said this about this. He said, we all have this idea of where our limits lie. It takes something to force you past that. I realized my preconceived limits were totally off base. We are capable of so much more than we really can ever imagine. Now, there's truth in that. But while there's some truth in that, it's not the whole truth, and I think we know that as we sit here as believers, because if I stop the story right now, and I said to you, you know what, Tommy actually did overcome all of those things. 
He, along with his rock climbing partner, a guy by the name of Kevin Jorgensen, they did the impossible. They took 19 days and they didn't get off the wall and in one incredible push, they made it to the top. I'm sorry for the movie spoiler, I should have warned you, but they made it to the top and they made history by summoning the Dawn Wall. And if I just left the story right there and we just ended it, we would say, wow, that's an amazing story. That's actually inspiring. But the truth is, at the end of the day, if we just leave the story right there, and all it does is reinforce our culture's belief that we alone have the power to do more than we think. That if we just work a little longer and try a little harder, that we, by our own, can get to the top of that mountain. We can do the impossible thing. But friends, last time I checked the scriptures, it says that he alone is the vine and that we are the branches and apart from him that we can do nothing on our own. And so stories like the Don Wall, as inspiring and awe-filled as they are, they remind me to remind myself of the truth that I can do nothing apart from Christ. Now, there are many other pieces of this story that parallel our faith journey, and we could talk about a lot of them. And there are a lot of things to glean and to learn. We are reminded that God uniquely gifts and calls each one of us, that he creates within us each a unique story, and within that story, he places longings and desires and dreams, and then he equips and he calls us to do good work on behalf of the kingdom in this world. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We can learn that God takes the broken things inside each of us. He takes our sin. He takes our pain. He takes our weaknesses. He takes our limitations, and he uses them to shape us and to grow us and to the people that he's created us to be. And the people that he's created us to be are people who are to look and reflect more of who he is. He redeems and he restores and he makes beautiful things out of ashes and dust. And the words of King David remind of us of this in Psalm 40. He says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. We serve a God who transforms our stories. We can also learn that God is a God that calls us to rest. We see throughout the story that Tommy and Kevin never would have made it to the top of the wall if they didn't take time to rest. They needed to rest both a across the span of time as they pushed their body to new limits, and they needed to rest in the day-to-day -day as they climbed the wall one pitch or one section at a time. And we see when their bodies really start to break down that they don't forge ahead at warped speed, they don't fake it till they make it, they don't schedule one more meeting or go to one more youth soccer game, they simply listen to their bodies and their souls and they rest. Hebrews 4 said, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish. We also see a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness. Throughout the course of their training, Tommy and Kevin didn't let anything distract them. They got up every day and they put one foot in front of the other and they did all the little things that added up that no one ever saw that they actually did. They did the things that no one ever thought they would do as they poured themselves into the faithfulness of their calling. You know, contrary to our cultural notion that such a thing as overnight success exists, they didn't stand at the bottom of the wall one day and have this idea and say, hey, maybe let's get together and you and I just take a shot and climb this thing right now. For six years, they meticulously mapped out their route. Every spring and every fall, they would go to the wall and spend months on it at a time. They memorized every nook and cranny, every tiny finger hole, every place where they could put their foot, every crack that might give them traction to get up the wall. They got bloody and bruised. They broke bones and cracked ribs, and they failed thousands of times. But they carried a vision that was bigger than themselves, and so they persevered and they kept doing the thing that they thought they could never do. You know, it's the story of Moses in the desert and Nehemiah on the wall on Jerusalem. It's Ruth in the fields and it's Peter with his nets and it's Jesus as he sat with people. And it's Paul as he continued to preach the gospel, even as he sat in a prison cell waiting for his death. God calls us to be faithful because we serve a faithful God. He calls us to never give up because he never, never gives up on us. Deuteronomy says, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. We're reminded that our life of faith is not meant to journey alone. That not only can we do nothing apart from God, but we can do very little apart from one another. While we only see, actually, during the film, Tommy and Kevin on the wall, there are hundreds of people behind the scenes that are making the impossible possible for them. And perhaps the most striking and beautiful and profound part of the movie for me was this picture of friendship and love when they came to the infamous pitch 15. Again, just a section of the wall that they had to get through and it was this sideways traverse that was 70 feet long. And within it, there were rocks that stuck out that bloodied and bruised their fingers. And it was so difficult that in the hundreds of times they had attempted in the six previous years, they had never once made it across. And during the film, they finally get to this part. And for whatever reason, Tommy is able to kind of get to this other gear and he eventually passes the traverse but his partner, Kevin, just can't do it. 
And he tries and he tries and he tries, but for six days he gets stuck on this piece of the wall. And so Tommy continues to climb a little higher and a little higher, but Kevin is stuck, and so he decides that he's going to give up his own desire and his own dream, and he's just going to help his friend get to the top. Well, Tommy continues to climb, and he gets to this piece of the wall that's called Wino Tower. They name pieces of the wall. And so he gets to this piece of the wall that's a three-foot ledge where he can stand on, and he knows that once he's gotten to this point of the wall, that he's going to make it to the top. And he's standing on this ledge, and he's overcome with the reality of what he had just done, and he starts to sob because he realizes that he's accomplishing his dream alone. He doesn't want to be there without his friend. And so he makes the decision to go back down the wall and to sit next to his friend and say, you know what, buddy, I'm going to sit here as long as it takes, as long as it takes until you get across this place because you and I, we're going to the top together. Ephesians 4 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, I confess to you that I love each and every one of these lessons. We could do a sermon on just one alone. I could sit at the kitchen table with my kids and talk for very long about why each one of these things are so important. But there's one thing, one question that I just want to leave you with today and I want to impress upon your heart that I felt I personally needed to be reminded of as I sat with the Lord this week. Because you see, I have vacant ground in my life. I have places that I am staring at myself. I am journeying alongside people I care very deeply about. I'm sitting on the wall next to them and I'm watching them stare at vacant ground in their life, not knowing how they're going to get past it. And I turn on the news every day, like I'm sure you do too, and I see 3,000-foot vertical mountains that look impossible to climb every time I flip the switch. And so the question that keeps coming to my mind over and over again as I sit with these realities is that if two flawed and broken human beings with all of their baggage and their limitation and their temptation and their weakness can accomplish something that everyone said was impossible. What more could happen in our lives when we choose to believe that the God of the universe throughout the history of time has been in the business of making the impossible possible for people who love him? Do you remember when the Lord told Sarah and Abraham in their old age that they were finally going to have a child? And Sarah laughed. She said, really, Lord, now, now that I'm old and tired, now you're going to make me a mom? And God said, Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you remember maybe when during one of the darkest times in Israel's history, when the entire nation was running the opposite direction of God, they were rebelling and there was no hope of God's grace in their life, that the prophet Jeremiah cried out to God, and he said, Sovereign Lord, and I love this because he makes a statement. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. 
nothing. No one is too far from your reach. Nothing is too hard for you. And God responds with a rhetorical question, just confirming what Jeremiah knows to be true. And he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? When we sit with the Gospels, we see the words of Jesus echo his father. We see a very wealthy man called the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks how he can get in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, go sell everything you own and give it all to the poor. And the man walks away sad. And the disciples who are gathered around watching it happen say, Jesus, is anyone going to be able to get into the kingdom of heaven? Who then can be saved? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In Mark, a man brings his demon-possessed son before Jesus. The man tells him, that his son has been possessed from birth, that he's been robbed of his speech, that he's been foaming at the mouth, and that this demon has even tried to throw him into the water, to the fire, in order to kill him. And the father says to Jesus, if you can do anything to help us, anything at all, please take pity on us. And Jesus said, if I can, if I can help you, he says everything is possible for the one who believes. In Luke, God sends the angel Gabriel to a young virgin named Mary and tells her she is going to give birth to a child, the Messiah, who is going to change the course of human history. And Mary says, Lord, how can this be? And the angel of the Lord says, because Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Throughout the Gospels, we see God in the form of Jesus Christ do the impossible over and over again. He turns water into wine. He feeds thousands out of crumbs. He casts out demons and he walks on the open sea so that even the sound, even the winds and the wave, they bow at the sound of his voice. And he tells the paralyzed man to pick up his mat, and he tells a bleeding woman to go in peace, and he raises the widow's son to life, and he makes the blind man see. He invites a single sinful woman to sit at his feet. He calls Peter out of a boat. He calls Zacchaeus out of a tree. He calls Lazarus out of the grave. He changes the heart of the murderer Saul and commissions him as the apostle Paul. He withstands the betrayal of his closest friends. And he carries a cross to the top of a hill. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he breathes his last breath as he crushes the serpent's head. And he overcomes death once and for all. And he's raised to life on the third day, and he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he says to you and he says to me that if we just believe in him, if we just put our faith and our trust in him, that regardless of what happens in our earthly lives, that regardless of the impossible circumstances we face, that he is a God who has already made the impossible possible through the life and the death 
and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, if you just believe in this and trust me, I will make all things new, both in this life and the life to come. Friends, I don't know where you find yourselves on the journey this morning. I don't know what ground you are staring at before you or what mountains may feel immovable. But I pray today, today in this space, that you will take courage and you will place your hope in the God who does impossible things. You know, it's interesting. The Don Wall gets its name because when the first rays of sunlight come over the horizon, the first part of this giant mountain that gets the sunlight is the Dawn Wall. And it lights up in beautiful orange and red and, and gold colors. And I thought, how ironic, how beautiful, how perfect that the most impossible part of the mountain is the one that God chooses to shine his light upon first. Friends, I pray it may be so for you today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.